Acoustic Alternatives podcast from Grove Studios in Ypsilanti, a place that if you're a local band in the Ypsilanti and Arbor area or even the Detroit area and you're looking for a spot to do your practicing, which we might hear a little bit of during the interview, uh, there is a metal band down the hall again that happened uh, a few weeks back when I was here with King Margo. But it is an awesome space, uh, 24-7 operation, and I'm happy that I'm doing my podcast here. And uh, 18 years after the first time I interviewed him, Willie Porter is joining me for Acoustic Alternatives and the podcast today. Hello, Willie. Hello, John. Great to see you again, my 18 friend. 18 years ago. 18 years. Holy I, I looked up our, our WHFR wow. session together. From I uh, think we're aging rather well. We are aging well. Dar Williams said we were. She mm. said you're aging well. Yes. <laughs> She's not a liar. She's not. No. No. And it's so good to see you. And you brought Carmen with you. Carmen Nickerson was with you at one point when I had you in Ann Arbor in the studio. I did. Yep. Hello, yep. Carmen. Lucky to have her you. along. Great to have you here with yeah. us. And also the mighty Dave Adler over there. Dave. Hello. So Hello. nice to meet you. It's great to meet you, too. And I'm glad that you guys are here to play some music. We're going to dig into Willie's life a little bit before uh, too long, but song. Start sure. with a song. Is there, new, is there a new record coming? There's a new record coming this fall. Okay. Indeed. So, and that's what we're going to focus on musically speaking today? Yeah. We'll do a few from that. Right. And um, we'll talk a little bit about Dave's got a new record. Yep. Carmen's working on a record. So plenty to discuss, my friend. There are things to discuss. Tell me about the song and the record that's coming out. Um, this song is a tune called Don't Underestimate the Devil. We'll play that one for you first. Um, just a fun one to write, okay. you know, based on... Uh, the interests of sub-segments of our populace uh, about theological things. I thought we would represent um, some other elements that often go unrecognized and, um, but are apparent in our culture otherwhere. So that's this song. The album has everything from long nine-minute songs, full um, sort of journey-based tunes, to you know the three-minute pop song, and this one falls somewhere in the swamp. Okay, between sounds good. Don't uh, don't underestimate the devil. Never do. Willie no. Porter Thank on acoustic alternatives. Don't underestimate the devil. He might be listening in. Don't underestimate the devil. I'm gonna try that again Don't underestimate the devil He might be listening in He's keeping track of your dirty work Yeah, he knows where you've been Spends his time in the back of your mind Armed with rumors and spreading doubts Got his hands in nine billion pies He won't leave anyone out Don't underestimate him Don't underestimate Don't underestimate the devil You don't have to believe He's like a mafia don in the cold of Teflon Always got a trick up his sleeve Got the choir to fall in line Now they sing along with him Wrote himself into their code Like an evil algorithm Don't underestimate him don't underestimate Don't underestimate the devil Worst mistake you can make Talks like an ass 
Don't underestimate the devil He'll grab you as you walk past You fly the rainbow and pontificate He'll command the cross of his delegates From his sticky web of golden bait He'll scream injustice and obfuscate Don't underestimate Don't underestimate Don't underestimate Worst mistake you can make Don't underestimate the devil Don't underestimate Worst mistake you can make Worst mistake you can make Don't underestimate the devil Don't underestimate Don't underestimate Worst mistake you can make Don't underestimate the devil Don't underestimate Worst mistake you can make Worst mistake you can Brand new music from Willie Porter. Don't underestimate the devil on acoustic alternatives from an album that has a title yet. Well, we're working on it. <laughs> we don't have a title. We yet. don't have a title. No. Fair enough. Is it a Porter Nickerson record or is it it's, a Willie Porter? It's record? a Willie Porter record with some help from. Yeah, Carm's on it, and then Dave, who I've worked with for thirty-five years, thirty-seven oh. years, off and on, and so many other artists' projects, including every record of mine. Um, he's all over it too, and. So happy to have him along. So. Great. Well, yeah. we'll get we'll get talking more about that in a yeah. bit. Can we go back in time a little bit? We sure can. I mean, I know I mentioned the 18 years that I've first met you. Yes. Uh, it has been a while longer than that since the first time I saw you. But even before that, you grew up and still live in essentially the Milwaukee area, right? Yes. Wisconsin yeah. is your home, and you've never left. You never moved anywhere else. You've always lived there. Well, I moved around the state of Wisconsin quite a bit, but not um, not far enough away to uproot. Really, there ever you know? been any place that's ever appealed to you enough? Um, California, at one point, I think when I first um, did a major label record deal, whatever that was, I thought about moving out there because the whole industry was so strong there, and there yeah. were so many um, people to collaborate with and things like that. And then I realized, you know what? There are great people right where I live. I just have to stick to that. It's kind of the reason a lot of people move to Nashville. More opportunities, right? It's ca- California so. at the time. You had a lot more opportunities to absolutely con- connect with. Yeah, but I'm glad I stayed. Um, my family is there. My brother, his kids, um, and this great web of musicians, both from the Madison area, certainly the Eau Claire area, where I went to school, um, has generated great people. Um, but also Milwaukee is just a very rich musical environment too. So. And there's some great studios, um, and it's a great hub to tour from, geographically. Yeah, that's true. You know? Probably best known from the area, Bodine's Violent Femmes? Bodine's Violent Femmes, um, Paul Sebar and the Milwaukeeans, uh, Peter Mulvey, certainly, oh, yeah. in the singer-songwriter scene. Um, yeah, and there are a whole list of other bands, obviously Bon Iver from Eau Claire, um, yeah. and uh, any other Wisconsin <laughs> bands? Daryl Oh, Daryl Sturmer from Genesis. Oh, yeah. From Milwaukee area, mm-hmm. Cudahy. I'm cool. sure we're missing a few. Well, that's okay. I was just trying to get a feel for what it was like growing up there. It's another kind of Midwest town like where I grew up. And so I think that's why you've always kind of treated me like a brother. You've always been very kind and you still do because um, we're, we're Midwestern guys and we have similar backgrounds. Yeah, and you're a cool guy. Oh, so it's thanks. easy. We have similar haircuts as well. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> and you're only really only a couple of years older than me, so I guess you could be my brother because my brother's <laughs> about your age. And you have a brother? Uh, any other family that uh, surrounds you other than your like your married family? Uh, my older brother lives in Minneapolis. Okay. Uh, younger brothers in Milwaukee, and my sisters in Milwaukee as well. So it's just like um, me, a four four person just family. Four of us, and then my mom's still with us, and she's. Uh, She's 86 or 87 now and um, still kicking butt, doing great. What was your favorite activity as a kid growing up? Probably um, driving go-karts, riding bicycles, um, getting in trouble, you know, pretty much. <laughs> you? Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, there was a fair bit of that. I bet. <laughs> when did music become the focus of your life? Um, really probably around age 12. 11, 12, um, I'd started playing viola and stuff in grade school only to realize that 
a summer had gone by and I went from, you know, second chair to like fourth chair and I was oh. frustrated with that. And I thought, well, this isn't working out. So then the guitar had always appealed to me and that's when I got my first wand. I'm glad you did. Thank I mean, you. I still would like to hear you as a viola player just because. But. <laughs> <laughs> Why not, right? Uh, um, was there any other path you ever thought about taking? Did you ever think, oh, if this doesn't work out? Because, you know, the chance of making it in the music industry is probably the same chance of being a professional football player, right? So it's not it's not a great career choice if you want to be hugely successful. Mm. I did, well, I did toy with the idea of um, going into psychology and studying that further. I studied that in college and and the idea of law school cropped up a couple times in just environmental law. It was it held some appeal to me. But um, beyond that, um, the music bug hit, and I just I couldn't get off the train. You know, it's one of those things where um, I just love it so much, and it's such a vast, open field of creativity when you really have the time to apply yourself. Um, and life, is, it's difficult to balance those things, but it's still as, as endless and wide open as it was when I started. So, Did the psychology degree ever figure into your lyrics at all? Because there's a certain mindset for that, I think. Mm, maybe some observational elements of it and just, um, you know, sort of in a sort of a unifying humanitarian theory type thing where you look at the commonalities and the struggles of people across cultures um, without any, um, I don't know, there's no... Uh, I guess prejudiced when you really apply yourself to seeing the whole of humanity and recognize the equality of human struggle. Fair. I got to see you first as a performer, as an opening act on Tori Amos's tour in 1996. You're mm. touring behind Dog Your Dream at the time, which I must have missed that there was a, an anniversary edition of that CD. So before you go, I'm going to hit you for some merch. I got to buy, <laughs> I got to buy that CD from you. But, uh, Performing is a great way to experience the Willie Porter. I love the records, but like the live show is really a very important part of enjoying the Willie Porter experience for me. Uh, have you ever given any thought from when you started to where you are now as to what level of success you hoped to achieve when you started out and where you are? Did you get to the where to, to where you wanted to be at, when you started playing for people? Absolutely. Um, I think for me, I've far exceeded that. Oh. I thought being able to play my own music in local bars and stuff would be a victory unto itself. And, you know, probably would have found another job as well. So um, to support that or in tandem with that. So to be able to play full-time music and have it be my own music for over 35 years to me is beyond my wildest imagining. So. And what would you be doing if it didn't happen? Um, I'd probably be working on cars. Then no. you'd have to move to Detroit. <laughs> no. That's possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you wouldn't, because there's a, a good mechanic is hard to find. Indeed. So any yeah. any town you're in, a mechanic is a, a, an important career to have for sure. <laughs> I can work on the old stuff pre-computer. You know, yes. I know enough to get in trouble, but the this new fangled technology, I'm just, I'm lost. My Dodge Dart was pretty easy to work on. My brother showed me a few things, but yeah, not my current car. I can't do it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I got to take everything in when some, my, my CD player died the other day. Does anybody care in 2022? (laughs) This guy does. I still have 17,000 of them. Of course I want my CD player to work. So (laughs) I don't have a cassette player in there, however. And your first release, according to a discography was a cassette in 1988. Yes, it was. You're apparently embarrassed of this release because you're, you're giggling. Not at all. I think, you know, um, a, a lot of artist friends that I know are, are very embarrassed by the first thing they put out. But it's just all it is is it's a time stamp. And, you know, this is the best you could do at that moment in time. And whether you like it or think it's funny now, it still is every bit as valid as it was then. You know, and it's it's part of the journey. It's the first step you took. Well, so, is it worthy of being reissued at any point, or is it nah? Not really. I don't know that the quality <laughs> of the recording was good enough to do that. Okay. But, um, it was fun to make, learned a ton, and yeah. it primed the pump for the next album. So, yeah. okay. the first real album, I guess. Right. It was the second real album that was the breakthrough in 1994. So what kind of rooms were you playing in those six years in between? Were you doing the local bars, or did you do some touring before Dog Your Dream came out? Um, well, that's really where I met Dave. Was playing, I was playing in Madison at a place called the Club de Wash, and I hosted their acoustic music night on Sunday nights. He and his band, the Gomers, uh, hosted Gomeroki, or no, it was Rockarama Rock Jam on Monday nights. 
So I went down to see them, and it was this group of just incredible players, and you could sit in and play any song, and they just knew a thousand songs and could back you up, anything from Led Zeppelin to Kiss to... I saw all kinds of amazing shows. Um, so that's where I really got stuck into that local scene in Madison, but also I was playing a lot of colleges and touring around doing the NACA and National Association of Campus Activities stuff. So I'd play a lot of solo gigs, and that's how I paid for making the Dog Your Dream record. Which was a breakthrough and introduced many, many of us to you. And I hope most people like me have stuck with you and continue to follow your career, pick up your albums, and uh, and look forward to the next one. So Thank you. So the next one's coming up this fall. This fall, yep. Um, and I'm just right, just about to start mixing it, so okay. it's coming along. Well, introduce the next song. What would you like to play next? Excellent. I think this next one will do for you. Um, let's see. We'll do one of those long-form tunes. Okay. Is it called tuning? <laughs> exactly. I'm familiar with this one. I've heard this one before. <laughs> this is a tune called The Ravine which is um, when I was growing up, I grew up in a part of Wisconsin where there was tremendous green space and we were told as kids to go outside and play in the ravine and um, if you wanted to eat, you had to be back at five and, uh, but it was preferred that you not be seen until that time. Sharp contrast to how we treat our children today, right? <laughs> No subcutaneous chips. But but we rode our bikes back there and we would go off these earthen jumps that we would build and without any real thought of landing. When you get older, you know, you think about a staircase differently, don't you? You stand at the top and look at it and think, hmm, this is a lot steeper. A kid just runs down it. So this is about the spirit of that kid that we all still carry. But that kid's wiser now, has seen so many things, and carries that experience. So, the ravine. still see you a blur on your bike pedaling into a dream the world lay before us in the sunlight so ripe we were breathing the deep forest cream la da 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 with more courage than sense we flew over the edge, came crashing down into the stream. Bloodied our shins on the pedals and rings, laughter rising from the
Fishermen wave at the folks on the shore as their boats disappear in the mist. Muffins lay cooling on the sill in the breeze, and the children find them hard to resist. just happened <laughs> he took me on a journey <laughs> i went somewhere the ravine the ravine new music from willie porter ah very prog rock uh, early genesis ish mm. a lot going on there in my head thank you that. yeah that's meant thank to be a compliment you. i certainly take it that way and um yeah all all stuff that was music of that time when i was a kid i was you know, i had older brother older sister so you know, those albums, uh, Nursery Crime, and um, yeah, those were just a part of what I grew up listening to. So cool filter through, I guess. Yeah. 
Thanks for doing that. My pleasure. Thank you. And thanks to the the accompaniments who are in the room with us as well, Dave and Carmen, <laughs> mm-hmm. for being here. We should talk about them a little bit before we go back to talking about you. I think it's great. You know, I've mentioned Dave a couple times. I think what's interesting is on this album, um, that whole middle section that I play that's instrumental is actually piano oh. on the record, and it's beautiful. And, um, you know, Dave has been a collaborator on so many things and empowered so many musical ideas of mine. Um taking something and really bringing it to a new level. The song that really was a breakthrough for us, I think musically was probably Boab Tree um, on the on the Dog Your Dream record. When Dave listened to the song and literally played that Mellotron part hmm. while learning the song, it was the first take. And um, one of those moments where you're just sort of, um, you recognize somebody's, um, talents, but also their investment emotionally in what's happening musically, and and so I'm very grateful to have been able to work with this great man for so many years. So, Dave Adler. Dave Thanks, Adler's Willie. here. Wow. Yeah. Move a little words. closer to the Thank mic you. for the discussion. Perfect. I will. You've got a new record coming out, Dave. We're I gonna, do. I'm not sure which camera to throw it at because there's a couple of cameras in the room, but. Uh, Mazel tunes. Mazel tunes. Tell me a little bit about the recording of this. Is your first solo record? It is. It is, and uh, it's a collection of. Jewish folk songs arranged for solo piano. Nice. Um, and uh, it was just a real thrill to record it. I got to work at the uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison Music School. A uh, friend of ours, a good friend of ours, Lance Ketterer, is the music engineer there. And so he let me come in when nobody else was around and play their Steinway Grand mm. in a big concert hall. And uh, we got an excellent recording of uh, 11 different songs. When did this come out? Just came out. Oh, like yeah. I'm holding one of the first copies. You apparently. are. Oh, yeah, thank you. The, you know, it's a pleasure. Thank mm-hmm. you. I'm honored. Wow. 22. You're right. Very good. Um, your resume is pretty impressive. Not just Willie Porter being on your resume, <laughs> but I was looking at the website going, what has this guy done? He's toured Iceland with a member of the Sugar Cubes. He's got a theater <laughs> background, yeah. comedy background. Yeah. Uh, I actually own Richard Cheese albums in my collection. Believe You're it or kidding? Not. No, I do. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and I know you've played with him too. Sure. Uh, rattle off a couple of the others that I didn't mention. That uh, if if I were, you know, if you're trying to impress me. Who are the things besides Willie Porter, which is impressive? Well, that's the most impressive. I know, obviously. Oh, I don't need to say anything more. You got to get out more. Holy hell. Brag, brag a little bit. It's uh, okay. You no, know, uh, I've I worked in Chicago for a number of years playing for improv comedy groups, Second City and the mm-hmm. Annoyance Theater, Improv Olympic. I scored a season of a show called Upright Citizens Brigade for Comedy Central. Uh, like you said, uh, I lived in L.A. for a while playing with Richard, and I went to USC's program specializing in composition for motion pictures and television. Uh, so I've done a few different did, fun things. You did a few things. Well, great to meet you in person. Great to meet you, too. Thank and you. Good luck on the new record. I, I know you probably know not a huge audience for this kind of thing, but there is an audience. It's a niche audience. Right. But you know that going in. <laughs> yes, I knew that. So you're that. not going to blow anybody off the charts. That's but you're okay. Gonna, you're going to find your people. That's okay. My people will find it. That's, <laughs> That's <right>. exactly right. <laughs> I a... hope I can help connect you to some of those people. Appreciate that. <laughs> Mazel tunes. <laughs> Mazel tunes to you as well. <laughs> and Carmen is back. Carmen, you've got something coming out too. I have to comment that you have the, the better project name. I mean, the, the Porter Nickerson project name is clever, but not as clever as Carmen Sutrick. Now, oh. come on. <laughs> That's a nice little. That was just for fun. I know, but some a... people, for some reason, don't get the joke. They just take it too serious. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. So you've got your own uh, next solo project coming out. We can kind of see each other. Through the be. I'm not as developed. I don't have any product right now. I know. So um, it's taken longer than I thought. It's been a little over a year, but I feel like I'm just about ready to mix as well, and hope to do crowdfunding. Be the first time of that. I've done a few albums in the past, but one was in my closet that we recorded, <laughs> and another was a friend's basement. What kind and of is it going to sound a little bit like the samples on your website? That's a little bit very different from what Willie does. The album's going to be pretty eclectic because there's everything from a very country song to kind of more jazzy song, and some, some pop influence. So it's a lot of different influences. So where's your comfort zone? Like where are you the most comfortable singing? Boy, good question. I don't. I feel like maybe when I was singing, well, I know my range. I really like the alto range and a nice warm ballad, which is funny because I don't really have anything like that on the album. <laughs> well, I do. There is there's one nice warm ballad, but um, different styles. I feel comfortable with lots of different styles. 
but I feel it when I'm singing it. Yeah. I feel like when I'm in it, like, oh, this feels really good. And I do know that sometimes the jazz standards can feel great like that. Was there a particular uh, singer at some point in your life that you heard went, that's Oh, my I'm gosh. Like. I loved Karen Carpenter growing oh. up. So, so I just think I like those really rich, warm tones. And she's an alto, so that range is really nice. You can get into the depth of the sound. She came up in conversation it. in one of my recent podcasts with the rough and tumble. It was the same answer. <laughs> similar, wow. similar answer. Like, that's wow. interesting. In the last month, I've had that answer twice. Yeah. But also, my I have older siblings, five older siblings, so I listened to their albums. And I loved... Uh, Rufus, Shaka Khan. As opposed the, to Rufus Wayne, right? Right. <laughs> the Rufus album, yeah. Shaka Khan. Love that. So I do. I love like the real funky R&B, but I just like the warm kind of burnt back rack yeah. kind of sound too. Cool. And yeah. how did you guys meet? Where did your connection first start? The the Carmen Willie? Through, well, um, Steve Kleiber. Did you ever meet Steve Kleiber, Willie's former bass player? I don't think so. He, I was in a band with Steve and he was an amazing human and and musician, but um, he always told Willie and me that you and Willie should sing together. But then I did meet Willie for the first time at a showcase called Chick Singer Night. <laughs> and I said, hi. That was it. And um, yeah, Steve had said, you know, you always have these singers either from Chicago or LA or somewhere else. And, you know, Carmen's right in town and she's, I know her vocal sound and, and I know yours very well. So you guys should really give that a try. And, and, um, uh, Sadly, he was not, he passed before he really got to work with us. I'm sorry. Sad and, uh, but great man, grateful to him to this day. Mm. So. Thank you, Steve. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're all here, and I appreciate uh, the opportunity to hear some of these new tunes before they come out and to chat with you a little bit more. Again, I know we've chatted a handful of times over the years, and that's why you treat me so nicely, but I am always happy to dig a little deeper into the into the conversation when I have a free form thing like this where I'm not mm. limited to like 20, 25 minutes. So sure enough. Uh, let's dig a little deeper as well. If you had to pick an artist from your youth that you did an entire covers album of, what artist would that be? Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye, really? Yeah. Wow. Do you ever do Marvin Gaye songs live? I do. Um, How have I missed that? I've been covering or had been covering uh, what's going on mm. for a while. Because it never goes away. It never does sadly yep and um so as a kid growing up my parents had that record and that was a game changer for me so i just always thought the way he carried himself and what he represented um when i learned more about it later as i grew up was just amazing and um his duets with tammy terrell were just mind mind-blowing for me tammy terrell's right next to you right so maybe you do that yeah you know um so marvin yeah nice well your career i mean we did a little quick on dave like name drop if i name dropped on your career holy crap (laughs) i mean we mentioned you opened for tour you got to play with her in the studio too if i remember correctly i did i did some work on the uh from the choir girl hotel record with her i I own that i'm gonna have to dig for your name in the credits because i i don't know that i knew that uh sting paul simon these are some pretty big names. People have heard of them. Indeed. <laughs> and then I think when I asked you in 2004 about this, what was your most, I don't know how I phrased it, but your favorite experience. Jeff Beck was the answer of your like your, your most interesting or most important thing that you had done or favorite thing that you had done as far as touring is concerned. That's That was back in 2004, that was the answer. Is that still the same answer? I think so. I think as a guitar player, um, it just doesn't get any... You know, he's pretty. It good. doesn't get any better than that. And and I just had some. I had a great experience when we played in Detroit. Um, they were on a bus and stuff, but I was flying between shows. Some of the driving distances were too much, so I flew in and I rented the biggest town car I could get. I needed to have a nice big Lincoln town car because I thought, well, I'm going to go play and i'm I'm playing with Jeff Beck, and he's a car guy. I'm a car guy, and this is a car town, so I'm rolling in with that. So I pulled in next to where the buses are, and I had this black Lincoln town car and, and I rolled in and it was just sleek and just everything you'd hope. And um, I got out of the car and he came out of the bus and he looked at me and he goes and smiled and goes, "How much are we paying you?" <laughs> 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 Which I thought was, was a great moment. That is a great moment. <laughs> well, 
Well, all the, I mean, I named up just a handful of the heavy hitters you've played with. Has there ever been a moment you felt intimidated by anybody beyond even who I mentioned? Like you're, you're... I'm intimidated by my band. I mean, I'm, I'm oh, surrounded by, well, I'm very, very fortunate. I've surrounded myself with really great players, and they inspire me every night to, to raise my game and try to show up. And um, that's a gift. So, yeah, I, I'm still nervous before every show. I just I have so much respect for the audience and so much respect for the music that I feel like if I'm not nervous, something's wrong. You know, I'm either not taking it seriously enough or I'm taking myself too seriously. I think the early conversation, again, brought forth the answer to which came first, guitar or vocals. And I'm fairly sure it was guitar that came mm. way before you, you were even encouraged to sing. Um, at this point, I mean, you're really good at both. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the guitar playing seems like it comes so natural to you. Like, I don't even... I don't know how much you have to concentrate to do that, but it just you just seem like that's you're in your zone and you're you're just I still work hard pretty hard at it actually. Um but thank you. Yeah. How often do you practice? Every day. I think if you don't if I don't get twenty minutes in, I start to get a little atrophy, you know, both in terms of the kinesthesiology of it and and just sort of the the mental acuity of it. And so Twenty minutes is kind of a minimum maintenance thing, but if I can get a couple hours, I'm much happier. Nice. Well, a song like the one you just played, uh, what came first? Was it melody, or did you have like the concept of the song, and then you start writing the lyrics down? Like, oh, I got to write something for that. It started with the um, that section that's in seven, and the the intro section, and then once I got the sort of what I call the B section, I thought, well, this is kid on a bike because the seven just conjured the idea in my mind of a dirty faced kid riding their bike on this trail and I thought I know that kid and as I worked on the song over a year and a half almost two years off and on um, a lot of things happened in my family we lost a member of my family and and um, so the middle section of the tune was kind of like a musical prayer to that individual, um, which is so beautifully played by Dave on the piano. So that all of those elements come together. And I, I like long form songs because you have a time to invest emotionally in each section. And I think um, a lot of pop songs like Don't Ar Underestimate the Devil, which is a, you know, just a blues tune, really. But that's written in a setting. You know, you sit down and you write a song, and there's a lot to be said for that. And I think the airwaves today and uh, popular music is generally written that way. But longer form pieces are far more interesting to me. So that's what's been most intriguing and really driving and fueling the guitar for me. We've been writing music for over 30 years. Do you have a favorite lyric you've ever written, something that really stands out like, that's brilliant, why isn't that more well-known? Um, no, I like the... Um, no, I really don't. I'm just happy that it, when people hear the songs and that I get to play them live, um, there are some things you look at and kind of go, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> but, you know, for the most part, I think Carmen and I have written some fun songs. The Bonfire record has um, a song called Wasting Time that I think is a, pr a pretty cool song. Um, so, and also, um, what's the other one that's um, Living Proof? I like that song a lot, too. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like the collaboration as well because you end up with something that's different than the sum of its parts. Well, I'm a fan of the guitar work for sure as well. You probably know because I've mentioned this before and you probably don't get as many royalties as you should from it. Roadbone has been a part of my <laughs> entire radio career. Like, I've used it as a theme, opening theme song. Uh, for my show in Dearborn, it's been the, like the backing vocal or backing guitar track for a, a concert calendar for a thing I did in Ann Arbor for 15 years. So wow. it's really been like this piece that I've used for many, many things. And I just love that piece. Every single time I hear it, I'm like, that's such a great, <laughs> great piece of work. Thank you. I wish you made more royalties every time I did that. But, you know. Well, you know what? We could go out for a deli sandwich <laughs> later, and I think all things will be even. <laughs> Especially if it's no, from Zingerman. <laughs> yeah, nothing exactly. equalizes the playing field than a little pastrami. That's you know right. I mean? <laughs> uh, in your career, you have started a record label. You have your own signature guitar. Is that your signature guitar? This is um, this is one of them. This is the Kevin Miterman 
Willie Porter model, and Kevin nice. is a um, luthier from North Dakota. So this guitar is uh, it represents about 14 years of our collaborating together to get to this point. Sweet. So you've also collaborated with a string quartet in your lifetime. I have. Did Peter Mulvey steal that idea for you for his new record? No, Mulvey arrives at his own conclusions entirely <laughs> on his own. <laughs> yeah, I actually, know, he's really... one of my best pals, and and so I yeah, I just got a lot of love for brother. I know that he's got sister strings on the new record that he's putting uh, out, not knowing that they were going to blow up before he borrowed them for his record. <laughs> but they've been. Uh, pretty... Well, I think Allison Russell came in and poached them yeah, away. Yeah, that happened. Bless her. Why did you name the record label Weasel Records? What was the significance? Well, of that? just because my dealings with record company people were often um, characterized by, <laughs> you know, misdirection, misinformation, and um, you know, I've lightly toned malfeasance. And so we thought we'd call it Weasel Records, where we are anything but, you know. Um, our first signing was the whip-smart Natalia Zuckerman, who, yeah. of course, is um, a true polymath. And so it was just wonderful to get to do that for a minute. And um, brand new then our frame. money dried up, and now we're just doing our own stuff. Is that Brand New Frame? Is brand it? New Frame. Oh, yeah. We did that one. Yeah. Um, was it Jugglers and Clowns? I can't remember what the yeah. live record is. and. Yeah, there's two or three one that we worked on together. The new record's going to be self-released or Weasel? Yes. Yeah, Weasel's going to do it. Okay, cool. How about another track from the new record? Sure. A little song, uh, shout out to the great Bob Euchre. You're a broadcast guy. And so Milwaukee has the treasure of having Mr. Baseball 50 years <sighs> in broadcast excellence last year. Had to write a song. This one's kind of a shout to my dad, too, who introduced me to everything about a car. You know, we tore apart transmissions and motors and did everything in the garage while listening to baseball on the radio. We had a Chevy V8 with Naga hide seats. Family station wagon, 1973. We were driving to the store by Buker, calling the place. I was just a nine-year-old kid. My dad had nothing to say that day. I asked him, what do we need? He said, I don't know. But why do we drive to see us? It's good to hear some baseball on the radio And for now, your mother's not here But now, your mother's not here We had baseball on the radio Baseball on the radio It'll unwind your mind, you can let it all go Baseball on the radio We're planting some shrubs My kids are working for cash And the radio says The pitcher just brushed him back Just a little chin music Backed him out of the box Euchre's weaving a story Like he's knitting some socks I think the book is always better than the movie I see the pitch in my mind as he throws Spilled paint in the garage and now it's clean up triage Two on, come on brewers, let's go Two on, come on brewers, let's go Get up, get up, get out of here, gone The ball lit up and vanished like a song Now everybody's laughing, dancing along Baseball on the radio Baseball on the radio Baseball on the radio Baseball on the radio It'll unwind your mind You can let it all go Baseball on the radio What makes America great Is not a political state It's jazz and blues and rock and roll it's a big old pot of crab gumbo 
with a neighbor that you really don't know And baseball on the radio Baseball on the radio Baseball on the radio Baseball on the radio It'll unwind your mind, you can let it on go Baseball on the radio Come on now, baseball on the radio Baseball on the radio It'll unwind your mind, you can let it all go Baseball on the radio Baseball on the radio I need some baseball on the radio Perfect night for some baseball. New music from Willie Porter on Acoustic Alternatives. May I guess at the title of the song? <laughs> Please. <laughs> baseball on the radio. <laughs> yeah, that's important to me, too. I don't know if you know this, but before I started collecting records, I was collecting baseball cards. Oh, and nice. so baseball is actually pretty My important. My manager, Chris, has an extraordinary collection I don't cards. anymore, but... You don't have any, so you're not selling any cards. No, I'm not. I just had to prime that and find out. I still like listening to baseball on the radio. Actually, I mean, being at the game wins probably of the three choices, TV, radio, and being there. Being there mm. is best, but I actually really enjoy the idea of being painted that picture by the broadcaster. Mm. We had the great Ernie Harwell here who has passed oh, away, but yeah. Dan, yeah, yeah. Dan Dickerson, who's been doing it for many years, I, I he gets me excited about the game when he calls it the game. So I really love our, our current guy as well. That's wonderful. Yeah, That's such so. a great thing. And it, as you said, they really do paint the game for you. And, you know, there's something about the pace of life, of hearing the atmosphere at a game yeah. that just makes things feel okay. And I think during, uh, you know, my youth growing up and stuff, that was just a kind of a safety place. You know, you'd hear a game and you'd think, wow, you know, everything's all right in the world. Do you get to many games at this point? Or are you I usually... don't. I haven't. I normally get to two a year. Oh, try geez. to get to, to Miller Park. It's some, called something else now, but it's always going to be Miller Park to me. Yeah. At least twice a year, in, um, but I haven't yet this year. And the Brewers are playing pretty darn well, so... I would love to join you at a game sometime. Let's I would that have happen. that would be great, John. Whether it's Detroit or Milwaukee, let's make that happen. I can I can get there. And I one of the things I have to do is get to a Red Wings game. Ah, in my lifetime, that's I must do that. Should do that. Yeah. All right, cool. New music there from Willie from a forthcoming record that has no title, uh, no specific release date. <laughs> it's going to be called John What a Marketing Plan. No title, none whatsoever. <laughs> so, Midwestern guy, where do you feel most comfortable on tour when you're out and about? Where's your favorite places to play? I like wherever I am. I know that's a really silly question okay. or answer, I guess, but um, I look forward to this I, town. I love the UK. I'm going back to Ireland. Um, yeah, I saw you're doing a little. Yeah, big, we can go tour. with you. Yeah, people come along. My daughter is a great singer. She's coming on this tour with me this year. Um, but I love traveling to Europe. Um, I love both coasts. I love the Midwest. I love the different flavors that America has. I just. Um, I have a great time wherever I am, and I'm just lucky to be out with a full band, you know, on this run. Yeah, it's lucky great. for you. Tell me a bit about some of the nonprofit work you are doing and/or have done. Well, Advocates uh, of Ozaki is a women's shelter and um, facility that helps women who are transitioning away from domestic and sexual violence, and I've worked with them for many years um, in fundraising and, and concert fundraising capacity, and just amazingly powerful women and men who are um, committed to improving the lives of others and therefore the fabric of our own community. So that has been extraordinary to work with them. I've learned a lot about human compassion from them and also um, the tenacity to change um, and what it takes. And um, some of the recovery stories that they've shared with me are truly remarkable. Um, Kids for Peace, which is a a Jerusalem-based project that brings Israeli and Palestinian kids together, um, talking about conflict resolution as young kids, um, is also a group that I've worked with a bit that I really like. And um, also Guitars for Vets, I've worked with them for um, several years now as an ambassador for them, and they're expanding and doing amazing work uh, getting guitar lessons and guitars into the hands of veterans, um, 
to help them deal with PTSD and other reintegration issues that they face when they come back after service. So very, very fortunate to work with these organizations. It's very kind of you to, to give back. Mm. If people want to find out more about that and joining you on your trip to Ireland, where should they go? They can go to willieporter.com, and all of the links to those groups are there. And um, thank you. Sure, of course. Thank and you. I know that you have a, a store there where people can buy your music, including the I Didn't Know It Was Out 25th Anniversary Dog Your Dream. How did I miss that? Mm. Um, <laughs> when will they be able to learn about buying the new record that's not done? The new record, uh, I will do a Kickstarter okay. um, for that. There will be um, a promotion thing for that. And we're going to start releasing songs from it onto Spotify and things. It's sort of let people know what this thing is. Um, so very excited about it. I feel like it's um, it's been a journey to make, but I'm very, very happy with the way it's come together. I'm looking forward to hearing it in its entirety with the nice keyboard work that I heard about on the song we heard that was played on your guitar <laughs> and all the other pieces that I'm sure uh, your, your friends are part of. Thank you, John. Do you have uh, the ability to do one more? Would you yeah, like to? Yeah, sure do. Tell me about this one. How easy is it to tune and tell stories at the same time? There's another another question. Um, it's a bit of a challenge, but you know, I can tell the story of this next piece. I had an argument slash discussion with a friend of mine about about conceal carry and um, and as we discussed it I said you know you just got this gun and you're carrying it and stuff and I said do you feel safer and he said not yet but that's going to come with time why and I thought <laughs> exactly so I'm not someone who would be comfortable carrying a weapon and as we ended our discussion I realized that I was grateful to have a friend who didn't share the same viewpoint as, as me and grateful to have a point from which to view myself, meaning it's the reflection of somebody who disagrees with you that really gives you insights into your own thinking and how much we've become siloed in our own ideologies. And so I thought, well, I want to change my mind. I want to reach out to more people that I don't agree with politically. More people that, um, you know, are, are not in line with what I think should be happening for humans right now in the world. I want to talk with them, find out where their ideas come from. I don't want to hear the sound bites. I don't want to see the memes. I don't want the distillations. So I wrote this song as sort of a <clears throat> message to myself that I, it's still possible for me to change the way I think. It's called Change Your Mind. Da 
Dalai Lama said it, Dr. King and Jesus too. Biggest fight of your life will be you versus you. There's no enemy, just what we believe. Everyone on this earth deserves to be free. So why do I throw shade on everybody else? For the problems I created, I can only blame myself. Put down my weapons and let the music change my mind. We can change. We can change It's still time Time Into the future of this dream. Come on, meet me in the future of this It's a hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if you care about this stuff anymore, but first single from the record, there it is right there. Oh, thank you. I mean, whether that matters to you. <laughs> it does. Thank you. I love it. I appreciate your opinion, John, very much. Respect I, it. I appreciate your time, and, and I respect you immensely. And uh, Chuck Brodsky is going to steal your baseball song because he needs another one. He, he only has an album <laughs> and a half. I love words. him. <laughs> oh, he wrote that incredible song. Um Doc Ellis's no nos probably. Oh, that's a great. Yeah, he's got, he's got a so whole album many. full of them though. Oh so. yeah. yeah, he's just, and he wrote the song "Radio," which yep. I think is one of the greatest songs ever written. Yeah, that is a great. It's song. one of my favorite tunes. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, so yeah, thank you for previewing this album with me, Carmen. Thank you. It's good to meet you as well, Dave. Thank Thanks for the season. So thank you, John. Yeah. Acoustic Alternatives is recorded at Grove Studios in Ypsilanti. If you're doing a podcast, this is a good place to do it. Great uh, 24-7 opportunities for you. If you don't bring musicians in that are on tour, it's easier to do it one in the morning. Uh, so, yeah, it's, um, I'm grateful for them for encouraging me to uh, continue doing what I used to do in radio and giving me a chance to visit with these people that I love. So check this studio out at some point. And uh, hopefully, I haven't booked anything beyond this, but hopefully this isn't the last Acoustic Alternative podcast, and hopefully it's not the last time I see you as well, sir. Thank you, kind sir. You're quite welcome. Thanks for listening. <laughs>